0: This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. You guys are going to love this. I have Anna or Anna Horn. You can call her either one in the studio. And Anna's going to tell us all about what it was like to teach class with Jamila Salampur and Suheila Salampur and work for Suheila out in California. And she's going to talk about her whole belly dance career, dancing in restaurants and the Suheila and Jamila formats. And you're going to love this. Anna studied with Aida of San Francisco who studied with Jamila and that was what got her to leave everything in Ohio in 2007 and take off for California specifically to study with Suhela Salampour.
1: So I took a workshop with Aida and that was my first exposure to Suhela and Jamila Salampour and then when I had a teacher in Southern Ohio named Kathy Hennessy and when I was leaving Ohio she gave me a list of teachers to study with and she introduced me again to Suhela and she said if you ever get a chance study with Suhela Salampor. and I was like okay kept it in mind tried to take her workshops things weren't working out so I was like screw it I'm going to California so then I moved to California just to study with Suhela. and I was in California for eight years
0: very cool with her. So Anna actually started dancing the same year I did in 2000, which is mm-hmm. pretty exciting. We have the same dance birthday, if you will. Our
1: birthdays are like the same too. Our are birthday they? birthdays.
0: While Anna was out there in California working with Suhela for 8 years, she was able to see the certification program develop. She actually saw the first level 4 group test. And what levels did you achieve in both of those?
1: So I'm currently Suhela level 3 and Jamila level 2. And I'm still part of the school, so I'm oh, nice be more than that at some point
0: (laughs) (laughs) and there are five levels in both of those in both those yeah how many people actually have level five certification in both of those i believe
1: there are five people who are level five and i think there are a few people who are working on their level five right now for both both, both, yeah danceable rich
0: Danceable rituals are a way to calm our mind and bring more dance into our lives without taking up any more of our time. This danceable ritual is unlike any other one I've ever included because Anna is so cute and loves her cat so much. This ritual is next time you are petting something, whether it's a dog or a cat or snuggling something else, I don't know, a teddy bear, consider dancing while you do it. Whatever you're snuggling may enjoy it as well.
1: Do you ever dance for your cats? I'll, like, mark choreographies, and they'll have to watch me sometimes. But what's really cute is when I work out, my cats want to interact with me. I find that when I'm doing my warm-up to practice, my cats all of a sudden want lots of love. (laughs) Literally, like, running around, meow, 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 running between my legs. Crying at me, wanting in love. And so sometimes I'll do my warm up with my cats in my arms because they have to have attention right then.
0: (laughs) So is this like a snuggle your cat and dance danceable ritual? Yeah, like they're
1: like, oh, you're doing squats. It's time for you to pet me. (laughs) You're not
0: doing anything else, are you? Not doing anything
1: else. (laughs) But it's definitely snuggle time. Yeah. Nice. And if you're not a cat person, maybe you can snuggle something else and dance. Yeah. I think though, the cats, they appear out of nowhere. It's like, oh, you're warming up for your exercise and to do your rehearsal and practice. It's time for cuddles.
0: Maybe this is actually a danceable ritual for cats. Yeah, they dance around me.
1: That's right. And how can I help but pick them up and love them?
0: If you have a danceable ritual you want to share, please visit aliciafree.com. That's A-L-I-C-I-A, free, F-R-E-E. And click on the Facebook icon and post your ritual. We want to see who you are and what makes you want to dance. Episodes number 23 and 29 of this podcast are all about belly dance history and I talk a lot about Jamila Salimpur and Suheila and what this mother-daughter duo has contributed to dance as we know it. I also have an upcoming interview with Suheila that is unbelievable and that's coming out really soon. So Jamila passed away when she was in her early 90s. Jamila Salimpur was still dancing and teaching in her 80s and Anna was part of her classes at some points. And she was her model, right? You were actually demonstrating the moves that she was describing for her classes. So So I
1: was her teaching assistant for a few years. Mm -hmm. I took her classes also, but then I would help out as teaching assistant. And when the move needed to be displayed, maybe a new move of the week, she would have us display it with the symbols. You know, she'd tell us what symbols to play, and we would do it. And then the students would follow along. Her finger symbols, I don't know, I think it's like four inches, maybe more. Wow. They were really big. They were more clanky than tingy. And they were very, very old. And I believe they were a single hole. And so Suhela Salampor has symbols modeled, like almost replicas of Jamila's symbols. They sound the same.
0: And so would Jamila play those finger
1: symbols while you were helping her demonstrate a move?
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. And did she ever demonstrate any of the moves herself?
1: Sometimes she would. There was one time where I wasn't doing something right. She didn't like the way it looked on my body. She's like, no, no, do it this way. And she's probably in her early mid-80s and she's doing move. She was doing the footwork with the hips and the symbols showing us like, do it like this. I remember kind of disconnecting like, whoa, I hadn't seen her dance in a long time. So it was very beautiful.
0: And you were actually part of Enta Omri, one of the original cast members for that show. Could you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, so Suhela created a show called Enta Omri, and it was a really beautiful experience being part of that. You know, we would come for rehearsal, and she'd have a choreography in her mind, but she hadn't yet worked it out. So she would have us basically learn it in the moment so she would have like the story and the choreography in her head she had already maybe worked out some parts and some of the songs were literally in that moment so after we had gone through a couple we started doing collages and coming up with the creative process of finding our own voice and our own story for each song so because it's a two-part album every single song in there we would find our equivalent song and our story that we would attach to that because we don't know suhaila's story we didn't know what story she was portraying through her dance so we had to find find our own story and Mm -hmm. our own emotional perspective. When you say collages, are you really talking about scissors and pictures and gluing together? Real collages. We all have our own dance journals, and we would literally cut stuff out. I'm kind of weird about collaging. I don't like just magazines, so I will go on Pinterest and stuff, and I'll print everything out, or I'll have everything professionally printed in color, and then I will cut. So that's kind of how I always do my collaging. So that's a big part of Suhaila's format is collaging. Well, part of the creative process, when you're coming up with your own choreographies, you start doing that in level three, level four, you have the song, and then you find the emotional perspective in the song, the appropriate emotional perspective, because you know, you might hear a song that's really beautiful, and you find out it's a really sad song, or an angry song, or you might hear a song that sounds maybe not sad, but you know, it might be a happy song about a past love or something like that. But then... You know, you need to attach that. You can't be sad and think about something really traumatic when it, the song's really about remembering something that made you happy, but you're looking at it from the past, so it makes you sad too. So we had to find the meaning behind the songs and then come up with our own meaning and our own stories. Very cool. Anta Omri is an album, it's a two part album that Suheila produced. I believe she did have some friends from a long time ago who were her live band back when she was in her 20s working in LA. And so they went back to the Middle East and recorded the album. And they recorded some, I believe in this country as well, but with old instruments. And I think there was even very antique instruments. The instruments themselves had history. So yeah, it was very beautiful. And it was a big creative project with many people, but it was actual musicians in the Middle East recording the music.
0: Enta Omri means you are my life?
1: Life. Very cool. Was Jamila alive at this time? Yes. So, you know, she'd come around. We had rehearsals. But that was really amazing experience because I'd been with the dance company for a few years, but we would just do other kinds of gigs. And this was the first big stage show that I got to be part of.
0: You travel around with the dance company?
1: Oh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was more after I left California than they started traveling all over the world but with Balanat. So we have Balanat and and we have the dance company but Balanat now people can learn the choreographies online and they have satellite schools all over Europe and Asia and all over the world and so when she does tour the main teachers there will organize their students and have them learn the choreographies perfect the choreographies then they will literally take it to whatever country and they just you know here's our Balanat performance and then people who are from the area who fly in they get to be part of it. It's amazing
0: how structured they've created this whole belly dance world that is almost interchangeable in terms of like they could have a bala nut show wherever yeah. in the world. But it's not the same people, but it's the same choreography and the same ideas. It's really brilliant.
1: I mean, everyone brings their own thing to it. And then sometimes they'll have different variations. So, you know, we'll have a higher level dancer perhaps come up with something they want to present, you know, a specialty that they want to present and like fan veils or poi and things like that. And they'll be incorporated into the dance. So then every ball and not show is different, but the same.
0: And so Balanat used to be very earthy, very, you know, had all the ethnic kind of patterns and jewelry and fabrics from all over different places, right? I mean, does Balanat look anything like that now?
1: I think they still model after the same but different, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It's still like they call them tribes. And so it's like each group, each dance presenting a different country. And they will have a variation of the costumes from that country.
0: Just watching those Balanat videos from the Ren Fair back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I just want to be there. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I want to be there watching it. I want to be there drumming for. It. I want to be dancing. I'm just so impressed with how entertaining it is. Mm-hmm. I guess is
1: really where I'm going with it. But I'm ah. still alive to this day. Yeah, and it's just as exciting. So you watch those old the old videos of the run fair, and it's still an amazing experience to be part of it. I always had the top topability. I was always at the side. The devil. Yeah, the devil. Yeah. So yeah, it was always a thing. Like I always wanted to play the big drum, and people would take turns. But one time we were doing a couple pieces from Balanat. I believe it was Ricasa, and I would play the top ability for the goddess dance,
0: the mask one, mm-hmm,
1: the mask dance. Yeah. Oh. And I have this old stick, right? And I'm hitting the drum because I just high hit, you know, on the one of every eight counts. Boom. The, the music's in the background, Ms. Mars and all that. And one time the stick broke it had like a ball on the end of it and I hit the drum and half the stick flew across the stage and almost hit the dancer and I remember I felt shocked but it still it counts right so it's like on boom one and then the stick was flying and I remember people like kind of stiffened up on stage and I just kept hitting that drum <laughs> I turned it around in my hand and hit it with the other end but it wasn't as loud but I hit it as hard as I could because it's got to make some sound it was hilarious and then the end of that stick stayed on that stage for the, the show. <laughs> I was afraid. Yeah, no one tripped on it. Everyone watched it. But yeah, it was really funny. So, and the thing about, you know, playing the drum, playing any musical instrument, if you play if you're the solo cymbal player or solo, everyone can hear you if you mess up. So yeah. I felt more pressure when I played an instrument on stage than I did dancing. Because when you dance, you're like, oh, I meant to do that. But when you're playing off beat, then everyone can hear it. <laughs> so here I am with my half stick. If you
0: make a mistake on stage and you're a solo instrumentalist, everyone can see it. Right? And that's kind of how I feel about choreography, because oh, yeah. if I screw up with choreography, and like, everyone can see that some, everyone else is doing something else on stage. I feel very vulnerable <laughs> if I don't have have the choreography mastered. There's a lot mastered. of pressure when you're, yeah, there's when more you're pressure. in a group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us about how you feel when you dance to
1: live music. To live music? I love it. It's a beautiful experience to get to be with a band on stage but it's a different kind of vulnerability like you're saying like for you choreography but for me it's improvisation to a band even if you have a choreography to the song that they're playing they could play it differently and then you know you have to know the song but kind of have to go in there just ready to do whatever if it comes to you in that moment but also there's a level of vulnerability because i feel more comfortable in choreography i feel safer in it as far as dancing to a song because when i'm in choreography if i run it enough and i learn it enough and i know the song enough. I can go in and out so if I make an oops then I can go right back but when you're with a live band you got to make them look good and they're putting their heart and soul into it but I just feel very vulnerable as well because I feel not more judged but just more exposed if that makes any sense like here I am I'm not hiding behind my choreography this is it I'm going to dance however I can dance and you might be good it might be bad (laughs) so who knows but then I always loved dancing live music. That's a gift.
0: Hannah and I recently performed at a festival. Let's just say we pulled up to a large field of very rural situation and I danced on the pool table. The you pool never table. know what's gonna happen in these shows. We mm-hmm. have got our band there and they said, here's your stage. And it was like a dirty corner of a barn basically.
1: And the floor was uneven. even. Holes in the dirt floor were pretty deep. <laughs> So you were going to dance on the piano, and I was going to dance on the stage, and then it started raining, so they moved the main bands inside, and then they put us in the storage corner (laughs) next to the pool table, and you danced on the pool table, and I danced on the dirt floor in front of the pool table. I think people really enjoyed it. I think they did. Well, the event before that was on a muddy slope. Oh, yes, yes. Remember? It was a slope in front of the stage, and it was mud. And we didn't hurt ourselves.
0: And there was actually a turkey and that was, was turkey. wandering around, yeah. along with a lot of hippies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that kind of live music, it's not about vulnerability. It's more about don't let the turkey kill you. Because he was eyeballing my veil. He yeah. was like, what's that bright color? I mean, I'm not afraid of turkeys. I love animals. But I was like, this turkey is really too close to me. <laughs> Let's just say Anna and I are adventurous souls. And we love
0: dancing to live music. Yep. yep. So the Suhela format is known for being pretty intense, or the workshops and the whole process of reaching these different levels and Mm -hmm. certifications. Tell us something about Suhela, the woman behind the format. The woman
1: behind the format. Yeah, I've known her for many years, and I just want to say she's wonderful and lovey and just a warm person. I think a lot of people are afraid of the format because it's work. And you have to work hard, you know, but you improve. So you see the results if you work hard, but she is such like a mother. She says, so giving, she will give you what you want. So if you want to improve your format and your technique, then she will give that to you. But it's work. I think that people who know of the format should really consider studying with her because she's like a mother to everyone. It's not just that I have a personal relationship with her. And she's part of people's testing, you were saying? Yeah. So when people do the certification program, she's part of every part of the testing process. I think now she has set it up so that there is online testing, that you would actually take online classes. And then the level five dancers will actually help you through that testing process. But then like level two, you could do workshops with Suhela. So level two, level three, level four, and level five, of course, all of those are with Suhela directly.
0: Tell us something you learned about choreography and choreographing from Suheila.
1: So one thing I learned from Suheila in her workshops is that when you are going to create a choreography, you need to find the emotion behind that song. So even if the song is in another language, you have to find out the meaning behind that song, and usually you can find a translation or have it translated. And then you find that equivalent, maybe, in another song that would connect with you emotionally, and you find that emotion in yourself. I personally don't choreograph linear fashion. I will literally just do chunks. Like, this chunk is this feeling. This chunk is this part of the story that I'm trying to tell with, you know, how I'm interpreting the song. And so you find that emotion for that section or that part of the song, and then you just move. You don't have to do belly dance. So a lot of times people might try to, like, shove a belly dance move in there. No, you just move. And it could be a movement that's not even belly dance. It's just rolling around your floor, pounding your fist in the wall, whatever, you know, whatever emotion you have, like just do that movement and then you will find a way to dance that movement. If it's a sweeping move, do the sweeping, but then what well, belly does move, could you do on that sweep? So that's what I learned from her. And then one other very important thing was that when you're doing a choreography or an, even a live improvisation dance even like live music, whatever it is, any kind of performance, don't be afraid to be ugly. She would say that and that was profound. Even when I found belly dance myself, you know, many years ago, you get to be pretty and you get to wear pretty costumes and you get to be admired and oh, look how pretty she is or he is and this thing, whatever. But she's like, no, be ugly, be emotional, be raw, be real. That's part of the creative process when you do a choreography. So I thought that was really profound when I learned that. So when I would do work with her on my own pieces, she's like, how would you express this emotion? Or when I did the choreography process with her in workshops, she's like, okay, in this section of the song, what is happening? What is your story? And there was a time in the workshop, she's like, let's talk about this. So then we'll talk about that section in the workshop. And of course, I'm vulnerable because everyone's hearing my story right there. as all these people in the workshop learning from my process, and I'm learning from theirs. And she'll say, what's going on in this moment? And I'll tell her my story. She's like, well, then move that way physicalize that emotion, physicalize that moment. So it's not even just, how would you move in that emotion? But if you're telling a story, what were you doing in that moment of the story? Was it our hand gesture? Was there like a movement of your head? Were you running? Were you falling? What were you doing in that moment that you're trying to tell of that story? So that's the whole part of the creative process and doing choreography, but then you're not gonna be pretty. <laughs> if you need to collapse in that moment, because in your story that you're telling, you're collapsing, then you collapse. And it might not be pretty.
0: (laughs) Permission to not be pretty. She was giving permission to be whatever emotion To be that artist, to do art.
1: Because art doesn't have to be pretty. Art can be whatever it wants to be.
0: Now it's time for some music.
1: Danceable song.
0: What danceable song would you like to share?
1: I really love the Setel Hosen.
0: That's S-E-T. The second word is E-L and then H-O-S-E-N.
1: So yeah, when I was in California for a time, when I worked in the restaurants, I was a substitute. And I liked being a substitute because there was a lot of competition to secure a gig as a house dancer. You know, it was still back then, it was a little old school that it was like, I'm the house dancer, blah, blah, blah. But I loved subbing. And I was known to be a reliable sub that's not gonna take anyone's job. And I was perfectly happy because I want my Saturday nights sometimes. (laughs) So I love dancing in the restaurants, it gave me the opportunity to perform and be creative. And I did it a lot because people were like, oh, great. a said we won't take my job. I'll just never come back to work. <laughs> I would just do chunks, you know, whatever. It's fine. But I would love starting my show with a song with a long intro because when you dance to live music and maybe when you're doing a recorded set, you don't come out right away. You have to have a little bit of that diva element. So, you know, when the band starts to play, it's kind of also like a warm up for them. So they play a song and they play their intro and then you come out when it's time for you to come out or after. They set the tone for the audience and all that. So I loved performing at the restaurants. I loved opening to Setel Hosen because it had a long intro. It maybe it was a little too long because I know the audience was like, where's the, dancer? where's the dancer? And then the staff would come up, like, come down. I'm like, no, not yet. I'm not ready. You know, <laughs> I got to play a little bit of a diva. So I loved coming out to that song and I would perform it. Suhaila taught the choreography to it. And this was her intro for many years. I love it for two reasons. Like one, because, you know, I learned the choreography from Suheila and it's a really beautiful choreography. But also Nagwa Fawad did, I mean, this was written for her. <laughs> so she did this piece with her beautiful video with the being carried in the fans and just got to be Nagwa, right? That piece was like her piece. But I am honoring her and I am respecting that. And I just love that piece. I love that song.
0: You mentioned something about having acting instructors as part of the Suheila program. Yes. could you talk a little bit about
1: that? Mm-hmm. So Suheila herself studied with Sanford Meisner and so part of the process in creating choreography and also performance skills was to use Sanford Meisner's techniques and apply them to dance. And that was something that Suhaila did. So when Suhaila studied with Sanford Meisner, it was for acting. Like she herself studied with him personally and it was a room full of actors and it was about finding true emotion in yourself from your own past and bringing that out. And say your character's doing something. You've never done that yourself. You can't really pretend to know what that person's feeling, but you could assume, okay, maybe they would feel this way. What emotion in me can I bring up in myself and project out as the character to give that character life and, and what
0: experience have I had where mm-hmm. that emotion came up where that
1: emotion would have come up so what Suheila did is she took that and instead of lines it's choreography or it's movement or it's the song you know things like that so you actually still feel those same emotions so for example when we did into Omri we had one song that you know was like love and lost and layers and layers of feelings all in one mine was about losing one of my cats but the whole song wasn't about losing the cat the song was remembering happy times with the cat like there was a move that Suhiela choreographed like both arms are up in a v and you're looking up right and that's in the choreography that she did herself and i remembered how he would get on the roof my little cabin that i lived in a little little cottage near the studio and he would be on the roof and i'm like get off the roof and so i used that moment i could have raised my arms up and been sad instead i raised my arms up and i was like oh you silly kitty get off the roof and it wasn't that she said oh when you raise your arms up be miserable it was like raise your arms up and look up and then okay next move and i had to bring my own real story to it and so i remember we were actually going over the end omri video and it was like a solo I had in one of the pieces and I literally was like okay what are you doing kitty and there was a part where it's a hard story but like when I had him he got hit by a car and it was really horrible and we tried to save him and some of the vests putting him down they let me say goodbye and holding him as he's like a dying cat right and there was a part of the choreography where you did that it wasn't holding like a baby but it was something kind of like holding into yourself another dancer could have used that same moment in that choreography to embrace a lover embrace a child but remember with love and happiness but mine was like holding this cat like saying goodbye Suhaila would never like when she taught choreographies for Antomarie, it was never about, okay, in this moment, you're feeling this. It's like, here's the song, here are the lyrics, here's the feeling. You want to know what the song really is about, what the writer's intended. So that song, a moment in that song might not match necessarily the lyrics, but it matches the overall tone, and you're bringing that raw emotion to it. So that's what I learned from Suhaila who took Sanford Meisner's, having learned from him. And we also took classes with Sandy Grin. He was an actor from when I was a child in Zoobly Zoo. He was Builder Beaver. I took classes from him, acting classes. And so it was really great. The classes were about being vulnerable and in that moment.
0: It must be so helpful to have these stories and to have to think about what part of your life you attach to these choreographies. It must help you remember the choreographies.
1: Yeah. When you start to run them, you're not just marking them, but when you really run them. And you are running them with the emotional perspective of which you will present on stage. It's there. And it's hard, though, because if your choreography involves something painful, it's like you got to relive that over and over and over. But then you can go into it real quick. So once you're in that choreography, you're like, okay, here we are. You spent
0: some time dancing professionally in restaurants. What do you miss about that? And what don't you miss about that?
1: <laughs> what I remember fondly was, even if it was a busy night, Everyone's running around like crazy. The restaurant's packed with people, right? And I go on to perform, the kitchen staff would come out and they would watch me and they wouldn't leave until I was done or they would leave when maybe someone was like, go back in the kitchen, but they would stay out. And I remember there was a couple times where the boss would be like, go back. And they're like, we're watching, you know, like they wanted to watch me. And I was really touched by that maybe my dance was affecting them that they wanted to see what i was going to come up with next door what i was going to do i try to get my shows different every time but i was just really flattered it really touched my heart that they wanted to see my show because my shows weren't about being sexy or cute it was about like i get to be an artist and i think they saw that and also it was really cool when i would do some songs the bartender would sing along <laughs> so i'd be on the stage in one part of the restaurant the bartender would be singing and some of the wait staff would sing i loved it and one time, like, there was a couple singing along with the song. It just really touched me because I felt like it might not even be about me, but it's just I'm playing a song that affects them. And right, they like you chose are, the right song. I chose a song they enjoyed, and they mm-hmm. wanted to sing along too. I like dancing in the classics, so that was the thing. Let's
0: do some dancing.
1: Damn sexy dance move. Tell us about your damn sexy dance move. The sexy hair swing, and I learned this from Suhela and Sabria Tekbilek, you turn and you're spotting, but you turn your head just a smidge faster and then your hair continues going and your hair ends the sentence, the sentence being the turn. So you turn, tilt your head a smidge, and then your hair keeps going even after you stop.
0: Your face stops and your hair swings beneath your face basically to keep turning standing yeah.
1: out on your shoulder. Yeah. So you do the turn and you're spotting and you stop and it usually involves a full stop, you know. So you turn with a full stop, but your hair continues to go and it's kind of like fans out yeah, fans out. It's really pretty. And Suhaila would say she always choreographed her hair. And that was her secret. I've been in many performances where I'm in a tangle because I didn't consider my hair. <laughs> so it's also good to practice things with the hair involved. I've known some dancers have really, really long hair, like passer butts, and they always are in control of it. But that was one thing I learned.
0: I'll put a link to a video of this move in the show notes. And I keep adding helpful free dance videos on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe and the moves will keep coming. As Will Wilderon said, we are what we repeatedly do. So, let us repeatedly do what the divinely lovely do. Feel good. Look
1: good habit.
0: Do you have a feel good, look good habit to share?
1: So, I'm going to talk about two. Feel good, look good habit that I have. This also involves my hair. When I wash my hair, I don't blow dry it. I let it air dry because my hair is very fine and it breaks easily. And if I overstyle it, then it'll just literally fall out in chunks. So I find my hair does best if I let it air dry. If I need to style a little bit after it's dry, that's fine, but I can't blow dry it every day. It wouldn't fall out. And one thing I used to do when I performed in restaurants and other gigs a lot would I would curl my hair because my hair is naturally wavy, but kind of straight too. can't decide what it wants to be. So I would curl it to make it look more consistent. And then with a hot iron I would curl my hair. And then I would take one of the soft foam hair curlers they're like little sponges with fabric and a little wire inside. And what I would do is I curl my hair and then I would wrap the curl around the foam hair curler and tie it up and then just keep that up in my hair and then shortly before I either leave for the gig or if I can show up at the gig with curlers I do and then a few minutes before I go on stage I'll pull them all out and then I'll brush my hair and I'll have this big poof of beautiful curly hair and it pretty much only lasts through the song or the show that I'm doing but I always found that was the best way for me if I curled my hair on one side by the time I got to the other side of my head all the curls would have fallen out so I find that if I use the foam hair curlers to hold the curl then everything will stay put just as I want them to for the show.
0: Anna, thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your experiences in the Salimpoor School and dancing in restaurants. Thank you for dancing with me. I love doing I gigs love with you. I yeah. love <laughs> And we really appreciate it. I love this talk about hair and choreographing your hair. There's just so many great things to take away from this show and I really appreciate you being
1: on. No, thank you so much. This was so much fun. All right, thanks. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed the
0: show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on AliciaFree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helped you feel a little lighter.